0: Gracious God, help us to find the fullness of joy in following you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. At St. Luke's, we have an identity statement. I've never been much of a fan of mission statements because organizations invest a lot of time and money into creating one and then everyone promptly forgets it and goes back to business as usual. Furthermore, the mission statement of a church really is quite simple, to do whatever it is that the Holy Spirit tells us to do. But an identity statement is different as it helps us to remember not what we are supposed to do but rather who we are. And the difference between those two is significant. The things that we are supposed to do even if we call them our mission or our calling, are still things that we have to muster up energy and enthusiasm for. Simply put, mission statements are all about the law, the shoulds of life. And we all have enough shoulds as it is. But identity is different. Identity is a gift from God that we are the loved, redeemed, and spirit-endowed people of God. And because of the busyness and craziness of life, we need to be reminded of who we are. And when we know who we are, well then mission naturally follows. Our identity statement at St. Luke's is that we are a place for all to come and see the difference that Christ makes through abundant grace, intentional worship, and beloved community. For one, that's a lot easier than a mission statement to keep in mind. And we've also turned it into a graphic instead of a paragraph, which is just so much better. And I mention all of this because over the past couple of months, my preaching has been highlighting different aspects of this identity. We keep coming back to the basics of who we are because when the foundation is solid, the house can stand against all sorts of things that come up against it. But as Jesus says in a parable, if the house is built on sand, well, it's going to come crashing down in the storms of life. So today, the emphasis will be on the difference that Christ makes. And to be clear, the difference that Christ makes is all the difference. Being a Christian is not about becoming our best or fullest selves. Rather, Christianity is about doing something that is quite unnatural taking the strange story of a Jewish peasant who lived in the first century, who lived briefly, died violently, and rose rather unexpectedly, to be our story. Faith in Jesus is not some tool that we use to become nicer people or to have a better class of friends or to be seen as respectable members of the community. Nor is faith even about accepting Jesus into our hearts or inviting him into our lives. That would be like welcoming the king to his castle. It already belongs to him. But so often we think of our lives as a play. And we are the director, producer, writer, and lead actor. Now, this is the result of individualism, which has run amok for the past couple of centuries in European and American thought. But the reality is that we are not the star of the show. Rather, we have a supporting role in God's great drama. And if we need a reminder of this, we have those stunning new images from the James Webb Telescope that show us just how very, very big and old the universe is and how, by comparison, insignificant we are. And yet, the love of God for us makes all the difference. Because we are a part of God's story, as small and tiny as we may be, we get to participate in the only story that really matters. This is the message that we heard in the reading from Hebrews this morning. Hebrews, we think, was originally a sermon by an unknown preacher, which eventually became a letter circulated in the early church. Hebrews was written during a time period not unlike our own, when weariness and discouragement were setting in. One of the points that Hebrews makes is to encourage the faithful. To give us the endurance that we need to keep the faith in a world full of struggles. Now, what makes faith so difficult is not so much that it is countercultural, although that certainly can be a part of it. The messages that we receive from advertisers, politicians, and influencers are generally the opposite of what Jesus teaches that we are to forgive those who wrong us that we are to care for the least of these, that we are to take up our cross and follow Christ. And to be sure, those are difficult things to do. But humans love to do difficult things. We go to the moon, we climb Mount Everest, we eat spicy foods, we raise children, we take the risk of love. A lot of people enjoy taking risks and being unique, marching to the beat of their own drums. So as difficult and countercultural as Christianity might be, that's generally not the reason why people walk away from it. Instead, the reason why we need perseverance when it comes to faith is that it can be a challenge to see the difference that Christ makes. Now, sure, in particular instances, we might notice that difference. In moments of desperation, having a prayer is wonderful. In a time of crisis, it is good to have a community. But over the long term, it can be hard to notice the difference that Christ makes. Now, this is just my take on things, but I think it is what we are seeing with the decline in church attendance over the pandemic. Now, yes, I realize that some people are still being cautious about being out in public, but concert and sports venues don't seem to be having any trouble filling their seats. Restaurants might be struggling to find servers, but not customers. What happened is that because out of caution we had to suspend in-person worship, people got out of the habit of coming to church. And coming to church is a way to sustain faith throughout the week. Once we were able to reopen, many people realized that They had not been struck by lightning for not coming to church. Not that we believe that God would do that sort of thing. And many people realized that their lives felt no different whether or not they had been to church on Sunday. It's been two and a half years, and some have not been back. And if you would have asked them in January 2020, if they would ever go that long without going to church, they would have said, of course not. And yet here we are. People who walk away from the faith, though, they would not call themselves atheists. They rarely leave the church in a huff over a disagreement. They mostly just slip away and notice not much of a difference by their absence. The same thing was happening for the hearers of Hebrews, and it is something that we all contend with. They were saying their prayers. Serving those in need, giving money to support ministry, forgiving those who had wronged them. And when they looked around, it seemed as if their lives were not any better than the pagans. In fact, sometimes it seemed like they were worse off. Now, it's not quite yet stewardship season, so you'll hear more about it in the weeks to come. But it's a question I wonder myself. Each year between giving to St. Luke's and other charities, we give 10% of our income. For our family, that would be more than enough to cover a couple of really nice vacations. Obviously, this is my job and I love being a priest, but it is not the easiest job there is. Perhaps you find the sermons to be tolerable, but not much more. Maybe the music is not your preferred style and it doesn't quite resonate with you. It could be that the formality and the pageantry of the church are confusing and seem old-fashioned. Whatever the reasons, when the investments that we make in faith in terms of time, money, and commitment don't seem to make us any happier, any less stressed, any less sinful, it's only natural that we get discouraged and wonder if faith is worth the cost. And so the preacher of Hebrews writes to bolster us in our faith. We are reminded of all the other actors who we have shared the stage with, and God's story. Earlier in chapter 11, Hebrews speaks of Noah, Abraham, and Moses. Today, we are reminded of Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the many other unnamed examples of faith. And what's interesting about all of these examples is that none of them lived a perfect life without suffering. Hebrews speaks of torture, imprisonment, wandering. We are not encouraged with examples of prosperity but of struggle, reminding us of this great cloud of witnesses who persisted in faith. What is lifted up, though, is not the fortitude of Daniel, the courage of Esther, the boldness of Ruth, the strength of Judith, or the faith of Mary. The witness of Hebrews is not try harder, or just deal with it, or keep it up. No, the message of Hebrews is look at Jesus, or as we might say, come and see the difference that Christ makes. Hebrews calls Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. By pioneer, that's the come and see part of faith. A pioneer is a leader, founder, course charter, Jesus gives us a path to follow, and yes, it is a path that includes struggles and pain. But we look to Jesus and we see the way forward of an unwavering confidence in God's presence in all times and situations, of an undying commitment to loving no matter the cost. This is the wonderful and abundant grace of God that we were not given a book of rules to follow and observe, but rather a person to know and to follow. When we come to Jesus, we see the path that leads us through suffering into the love that makes all things well. Jesus is also the perfecter of our faith, and this is what makes all the difference. None of us can live perfectly, not even close. Jesus does for us what we cannot do, having perfect trust, and reliance on God. And so when we see ourselves as a part of His story, instead of trying to live by our own narratives, then we take part in a story whose outcome is secure in the love of God. Now, if we want to insist on having the starring role in the story of our own making, that's fine. God gives us the capacity to do so. But what we have seen throughout history is that humans are only capable of writing tragedies. Each human story is unfinished at the end, less than perfect along the way, and concludes with death. God's drama is different, though. It is about a plot that has a peace which passes all understanding, a grace beyond all deserving, a love that gives us new life even in death. The difference that Christ makes is this joy found in this story. Hebrews notes that as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, Jesus endured the cross for the sake of joy. In John we heard Jesus say, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus is the pioneer who guides us into the fullness of joy. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith so that we don't have to come up with our own reasons to be joyful, but rather we can enjoy what has been done for us. Jesus makes all the difference as he gives us a joy that the world cannot give us and cannot take away from us and that will never run out, can never be lost, and always has enough to share. And this is why we endure in our faith. This is why we give, even when we're not so sure about the impact. Why we sing, even if we're not all that into it. Why we serve, even though we would prefer to be doing something else. Not because these things give us joy, but because they bring us to the joy of Jesus. Jesus is the wonderful, beautiful, and joyous story that we have been given to have a role in. Now time would fail me to tell of all the stories of people who have come and seen this joy, but now is the time for you and for me to run with perseverance the race that has been set before us to take our part in that great and unfolding story of Jesus.